Welcome, everyone, to the Shopway Show. I know usually we start at 7 p.m. on the East Coast. We're a little bit late because I'm late. That's just the way it works. So you're still watching, so stop complaining. So, yes, it's 7 p.m. on the East Coast. So happy that I'm here. So happy that you're here to watch us chat with what I think is going to be a very interesting show. I am very lucky today, super lucky today, that I have with me someone who has a very interesting perspective on, on the COVID lockdowns, on the masks, that many of you probably haven't heard. Um, I'm happy that I have, she is a former public defender, contributor of, as you pronounced, AIR, the American Institute for Economic Research, and counsel for the, not the old, but the new Civil Liberties Alliance, the old one was no good. The new one is the cool one. Without question, I'm so happy to have her, Janine Yunez. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. And for those of you who want to see who she is, check her out on Twitter, Lefty Lockdowns one which I know sounds awkward, but check it out. You'll be fine. Also, you can check out her amazing organization, um, nclalegal.org. So please check her out and, and see what she has to say. But I'm going to ask her some questions. Janine, you come at this from a place that most people don't come at it from. You actually come at the lockdowns and your primary issue isn't necessarily government overreach. It is, but that's not your primary issue. Your primary issue is the effect on the young and the poor, not just in the cities, but across the country and even across the world. It's a really different way of looking at this, and I'm thoroughly impressed by it. So help me to understand, how did you even come, come about to think this way? Well, so from the very beginning um, of the pandemic, I, I really felt as though, or I thought, this is going to have catastrophic effects, uh, ripple effects across the world. I mean, we're talking about you know schools being shut down. It's going to be poor people, poor children right. who are most disadvantaged. Um, their parents, restaurants shut down, their parents, restaurants, you know, not the Zoom class who gets right. paid, keeps their paycheck intact. And, um, you know, I didn't, I'm not, don't have a strong background in international relations or, or anything, but it's common sense suggested to me that you can't just stop the world in its tracks. You know, we live in a really interconnected, global, complicated world. And, uh, you know, people in third world countries rely on things happening in first world countries. And if you just stop it, that's going to have really bad effects on people. And it did. Um, and, you know, I'm not the only one. Sinatra Gupta, who's an amazing epidemiologist at Oxford University, said the same thing. Um, that's now panning out. We're seeing, like, Oxfam has uh, told us that about 130 million additional people are facing starvation levels uh, around the world because of lockdowns. And it's because of lockdowns. It's not just in their countries. It's because of lockdowns in right. Western countries. I and, remember when it first came up, I was worried about India. Yeah. And the reason why I was concerned about India was, if I remember right, there was something like 50 million. I mean, I, I think it was 50 million people who in India literally live hand to mouth. Yeah. That if they don't work a day, they don't eat that day. Like that's the poverty level they're in. And they have families. And if they don't work that day, their family doesn't eat that day. And that when you lock them all down, when you shut down the economy from uh, throughout the entire world, you're basically telling these 50 million people, I guess you don't get to eat then. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, go ahead. <laughs> that, so that's the part that I, I kind of got immediately. But you bring up a different piece, not just that. You also bring up the idea that many poor children in America, not across the world, but in America, rely on things like school, mm -hmm. right? Not just for education, for that, clearly but also for things like their social structure, Absolutely. Um, food, right? I mean, many of them, they get at least one, if not two of their meals if they're poor yeah. at school. I remember when I was a kid in the Bronx, we got free breakfast and free lunch when I was a kid in the 70s, right? I mean, my, yeah. my area back in those days, my area was so poor that they didn't bother seeing who should get the food or not. Everybody got free food. Yeah. So if, you, if you showed up early enough, you'd get breakfast. And you always got lunch. So you get two meals a day at school. I mean, how cool was that? So, I mean, these are things you're bringing up too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, my father is actually a, an immigrant from Palestine and he grew up very poor and, uh, you know, hand to you know, mouth kind of situation a lot of times, not 
enough to eat. And I think that that gave me a perspective that a lot of people don't have. You know, a lot of people who grew up upper middle class, middle class, um, yeah. who just take for granted you know, the food appears, the education appears. And I understood that if you shut these things down, it's really going to be the poor people who are disadvantaged. Um, and it's, uh, I'm a little surprised at how <laughs> little my, my um, fellow, you know, progressives have, have seen that. Uh, yes. This part has shocked me too, right? I mean, look, I live in New York City. I get it. I'm, w- I'm with you. Most yeah. of my friends are Democrats, right? Yeah. Many of them are proud progressives or liberals and would openly announce that they are that. They self-identify as that. Yeah. And they are all about lockdown and mask, all about it, not caring at all about the damage. I, I remember there, was, there were many stories about children playing in the in the playground with masks on, I, this is a personal one I saw. I saw, and this is it's a common story. Yeah, I, I was outside uh, maybe a month ago or so. I don't remember when it was. With my daughter, I have two daughters, one's seventeen, one's eleven. So my eleven-year-old daughter and I are out, and we're in a park, and there's kids playing. Right, some have masks, some don't. Yeah, kids playing in a park outside with masks on. But here's the problem. As the kid's playing with one, one kid with a mask is playing with the kid with no mask. The mom sees the kid playing with no mask, grabs the kid with a mask, and pulls them away. That's like the kid with no mask is going to kill their kid. It's so awful. It makes me terrible. So sad. And what we're doing to kids, I mean, this it's so naive to think that you can put, you can muzzle children in this way and it's not going to have enormous, children's development is so sensitive. And, um, you know, they rely on reading facial expressions. And I, I think, look, I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it in at this point. Fed up. I think there are just too many privileged people who, you know, grew up a little bit spoiled. <laughs> they don't really see the impacts this is having on much less advantaged people. And yeah, if you can go to, you know, a private school and you can you have, you know, a chi- child psychologist, whatever, maybe you're fine. But, you know, another thing that really struck me was if you grew up um, in an abusive household and then the lockdown stuff, you know, school is probably your your only uh, recourse, your, your friends at school, your teachers to talk about it or to escape the abusive household. And all these children are just trapped at home during lockdowns. Um, yeah. And, and poor women. Yes. Yeah. Poor women who either went off to work to get away from their abusive spouse. And it yeah. could be, I don't want to be sexist. There's also men who are being abused, but clearly by the numbers, it's far more women than men. Right. Um, so, you know, a women who are being abused and, and, or husband now or boyfriend or whatever um, partner is not going off to work either. So now yeah. he's home upset and angry and it's not going to get better in that regard. No. That's for sure. It's not going to get better. Whatever it is, it's not getting better. And the kids see this too. No. Right? I know. And, you know, we're talking about two weeks. First it was two weeks, and then it was like six months. And now it's just, this is how we're living. Apparently, you know, we're talking about renewed lockdowns of the Delta. And this new Delta stuff isn't even connected to hospitalizations and deaths, which are very low. It's just now it's become about control of a virus. Uh, It's, we're talking about, we're really talking about reordering, restructuring society around the idea of virus mitigation, disconnected from any idea of an emergency or death. Um, Yes. It's quite frightening to me. And, uh, you know, this is the time for people to say, no, no, no. <laughs> We're not listening to the CDC. Um, yes. And, and, and the funny part is, in the attempt to get people to be better or smarter or whatever, I don't know what the goal is, whatever the goal is, they're actually getting people to trust government and authorities less. Yeah. So people now trust doctors less. Not that I don't. Not not that I want you to blindly trust doctors. I would. I would hope nobody would. Mm-hmm. But I would hope that in a society that we would have some respect for our doctors or our lawyers or whatever other professionals of our world, right? And right. I feel like you do want to have some skepticism, of course, but you still want to have respect. And I feel like we're losing respect for our medical community because of this, and for our government. Like we're just losing respect. Period. Not not skepticism, just oh, if the doctor says it, there it's wrong, and that right. can't be healthy, right? Yeah, no, and I, I mean I'm one of the people who's changing. I, I voted for Bernie Sanders in 2016. I was a huge Bernie, <laughs> and I'm now I'm like, I mean I don't trust the government to do anything. 
I, this is completely insane. And, uh, you know, I'm not anti-vax. I'm going to be very clear. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Neither am I. I um, you know, I assumed I would get the vaccine. I didn't think it was a big deal. I ended up getting COVID in February. So then I decided, you know, what? I don't need the vaccine. And there could be adverse effects. We can't know the long-term effects of a vaccine that's not been around a while. And I might have been persuaded to get it or not or whatever. But this insane push to vaccinate everyone and the demonization of people who aren't getting the vaccine mostly probably because they have natural immunity. And in fact, the irony is a lot of like essential workers who are bringing your groceries and delivery. Uh, poor people are the ones who have natural immunity and that's yes. why we don't want to get the vaccine. And now we're demonizing them. Yes. <laughs> and, I yes. Mean, the irony of this they, they, now. <laughs> they, they worked hard to help us during this terrible government lo- yeah. lockdown. They then, they by default, they then got the immunity yep. and now we're punishing them. Now we're punishing them. And their immunity is clearly better. I mean, there's, there's so many studies showing it now. And we have all the, you know, day after day, the studies are coming out about how the vaccines are actually seem to be in terms of preventing infection, not severe disease. They seem to be okay at preventing severe disease, but they seem to be not that great. They seem to be waning over time, not comparable to natural immunity. But absolutely complete refusal to recognize natural immunity. And I don't know what that's, I don't, I don't understand. Well, now that a Democratic Party is deciding um, that it also, like the Republicans, will also punish poor people, yeah. that's awesome. So now both will punish poor people. All I have to say, Janine, is welcome to the Libertarian Party. Thank you. I can tell yes. you that a lot of people like me. We have, I have groups and I've formed in every city I visit. <laughs> and in fact, if you look at my Twitter, my pin tweet is uh, former Democrats for DeSantis. <laughs> there we <laughs> go. Yes. A picture. Absolutely. Yes. Well, just, <laughs> just just so you know, if, if any of them want to chat with the Libertarian Party, I'm happy to have that conversation. Just <laughs> just saying, I'm happy to have that conversation. <laughs> I, so, mean, I, I become more libertarian by the day. <laughs> there we go. So, um, but I, I do want to bring up what you just talked about, the idea of natural immunity. I'm I'm curious, does it make any sense here that we're not even talking about natural immunity? Like that's I thought, right, that they talked early on, right, maybe a year and a half ago about the idea that we don't want to try to get natural immunity because that would mean too many people have to die before yeah. we would get herd immunity. Remember that conversation yeah. up front? They thought everybody was going to die. And to get natural immunity, we'd have to have like massive, like 10 or 20 percent casualties <laughs> to get natural immunity. Remember all that fear mongering? There was I'm tons sorry, of it. Yes. yes. And I was like... It's is it it's the plague. Oh my god, it's the like we're all gonna die. But clearly that's not true. No. So we're already moving through to natural immunity and herd immunity already. That's part of what we're doing already. And so is there a logic in your mind as to why people would ignore this? So the more charitable explanation that I can come up with is that they're afraid that people like me who have natural immunity um, are just going to say, you know, I have natural immunity. So people are going to say, oh, I have it. And that they want proof. Um, and it's easier to show a vaccine card than to show them, although you can get an antibody test. But, you know, um, so I think they're worried to bull game this system. That's the charitable explanation. The less charitable explanation is, you know, doesn't make good money for big pharma. Ah, okay. So, yeah, no, I, I actually like that better than the ones I was thinking. I was thinking more nefarious than that. I mean, at least money's obvious. I, I'm okay with them. I mean, I'm not okay with it, but I mean, it's at least that's obvious. I was actually thinking one of two things. And one of them is we've just gone down the road of hating the other so much right. that now we make everything political and we're so far down the road that we simply can't stop. We just can't, there's there's no way of stopping this train. That everything will simply be a left-right paradigm. And whatever we do, it will be that. We will pick sides, hate the other, ignore data, and just decide, well, if, whatever. If the Trumpsters think it's this, then it's opposite of this, right? Whatever. If the If the socialists think it's this, then it's opposite this, regardless of any data. And I think that is my bigger worry. That now nothing matters except this. I think that's absolutely going on as well. Um, and, you know, it was, it was like, I think I've tweeted this several times, but like, first it was the people who didn't socially distance. They were they were the ones who were co- responsible for coronavirus. Then it was the people who wouldn't wear the masks. Now it's the people who won't get the vaccines. You know, what it is in the end is this is a respiratory virus. You cannot eliminate it. They, they, 
they evolved in order to jump from human to human. And they're very clever and they know how to do that. <laughs> and, you know, become variants. And the government cannot beat a respiratory virus. Uh, you know, I suppose if you really want to hide under your bed for the next five years, <laughs> you can escape it. But even that, you know, it seems to linger in the air, whatever. Um, so it's, it is, and it's, it, so it's, and it's become linked to politics. I'm quite convinced yes. that actually, so my theory is a little, uh, has some problems with it because it's really the liberals and Democrats in this country, whereas in the UK, it's like the conservatives and some other. Right. But I think a lot of what happened was that Trump was ambivalent early on. He didn't take, he didn't take it seriously. Um, and the Democrats like leapt on that to yeah. say, well, Trump doesn't, you know, the Democrats hate Trump. I hated Trump. I, I cried when Trump felt like very clear. Um, you know, so the Democrats leapt on that to say, well, like, Trump doesn't take this seriously. So obviously it must be very serious when we've got to close, close, close businesses because Trump's not sure about that. And then they sort of got on that train and now they can't get off the train. Um, it doesn't quite explain like Boris Johnson and other countries where the, you know, Sweden, where it's a different divide. But uh, I think that's a large part of what happened. Let me grab the second part of that. And then I want to grab a couple comments. You're yeah. blowing my chat up, which is awesome. <laughs> I appreciate that. But um, I want to bring up one other piece that's linked to that. We've set up a system right now in our government that it makes sense for them logically to do everything they can to crush us. And here's my logic on this. If they do everything possible, lock us all down, put us in the jail cells, don't let us have, don't let us have work, whatever. And a lot of people don't die. They go, see, I yeah. saved you. I saved you. I am your Lord and master. I have saved you. You owe me your life. Yeah. But if all of a sudden this happens and people do die, they say, how can you blame me? I did everything possible. I locked you in your house. Yep. What else could I have done to save you? Yeah. So I feel like there's a situation to where the best thing that's in the, the powerful's best interest, regardless of what party they're part of, is to just do everything they possibly can. And in the end, they win either way. Where if they gamble and lose, it, it's horrible. But if they gamble and win, there's a big payoff. I think that's absolutely true. And we can see it, you know, with these, it's, it's always, you know, it's blaming us. Um, so, well, if, if the, wear the mask, just wear the mask. Well, if it doesn't work, it's because you, these people didn't wear them, but the Republicans didn't wear the mask. Um, if, you know, the lockdowns don't work, it's because people have parties, whatever. Uh, so it's just, it's a losing proposition for us. But the crazy thing is that a large portion of the country, and I hate to say it, my former fellow progressives <laughs> seem to buy it. Um, yes. And, uh, yes. It's yes. really sad. And it's just further dividing us. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm yes. just becoming less, more anti-government by the day. Frankly. I'll, 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 I'll stay in touch. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let me grab a couple of comments if I could. Nate sure. says, 10,000 additional children have starved to death every month since the lockdowns began. World hunger was declining for decades up until these lockdowns. He's saying what you're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, absolutely. but, you know, we don't, uh, we don't see these deaths in front of us. And that's another, that's another, uh, it sort of goes to your last comment as well. Um, that, you know, you can, I'll say it's easy to count coronavirus deaths. I don't actually know if that's true because there's the width and the, of the issue. But that aside, um, you know, someone dies with or of coronavirus, well, you can add that number. But these other deaths, you know, it's not so easily traceable. And I think that's going to be become much clearer over, or, sorry, much more difficult over time, too. What about all of the people who lost their jobs because they had to shut down their businesses because, yeah. you know, they lost their jobs and they fell into substance abuse and, you know, or they committed suicide? Well, those aren't so easily traceable. Yes. So it's going to be hard, much harder to prove that the lockdowns um, cause more deaths, but I think that over time they will. Uh, we well, up another point, and that's the idea that you know, simple medical maintenance stopped, right? People not. doing their screenings for cancers, people doing screenings for you know heart disease, people doing their screenings and their normal checkups when you're when you're in that you know, when you're over fifty, right? You got to start doing your checkups yeah. to make sure you've got this, you don't have that. Now you're not doing that anymore. I mean, again, how many people will you know die of cancer because they didn't catch it fast enough right. or whatever? Right. And that might be, you know, 10, 20 years down the road. 
So it's not going to be as easy to, you know, and someone who turns into an alcoholic because they had to suffer through this period of depression where they lost the business they built up and then the government shut it down and they, yes. <laughs> they could and, never and, work. I, I mean, we're seeing that the data here is clear that women are drinking a whole lot. Yeah. That this, the first crash, uh, have you been drinking more? I'll be, I'll be your teletherapist. It's fine. I actually, I can prove it right now. <laughs> there we go. Well done. Yes. Well done. So, yes. So, uh, so the, the, the first, actually the first, the last crash in 2008, 2009 really hit men far harder than women. Yeah. And the result we saw was huge suicides, particularly in white men over 40. Right. We saw that huge increase in suicide and drug addiction. We saw it from the last crash. This crash has hit women far harder than men. And we're already seeing women drinking more. That's already happening. So I think you're right. I think we're going to see a massive increase in women being self-destructive. Like we saw men being self-destructive 10 years ago. We're going to start seeing women be more self-destructive too. I think you're right. And how do you measure that? Yeah, how do you measure it? And I assume it's because, you know, schools are shut down. So it seems like women have been have had to stay home more and are yes. getting depressed and, you know, take care of their kids. Absolutely. You're finding more and more women still to this day. I know that we want to be more progressive, but it's fine, whatever. But the reality of it is still to this day, most women are the caretakers of the children. Still yeah. exists. Yeah. And sure. yep. So when the children stay home, the mom stays home. Yeah. Now, if the mom had a life, while the kids were in school, either if she was, say, a stay-at-home mom, well, that life is now gone if she had a life. Yeah. If she had a career and that was what she was doing, now she's falling behind in her career. And she's probably been busting her rump to try to get ahead anyway because she probably took a couple years off when the kids were younger. And yeah. now she's catching up, trying to get back to where she was and to get ahead. And boom, she's yeah. hammered. She's going to lose two more years again. Yeah. Now, now she's got to make up those years now. She just had to make them up when the kids were little, and now she's got to make them up all over again. Yeah. So I, I definitely think we're going to see a, a problem there, without question. Think we are. Yes. Yeah, and you know, I, so I, I try to talk to a lot of people, and uh, you know, my Uber drivers. Look, the problem is, so most people sort of buy this line that it's the virus, and I'm like, no, yeah. it's not the virus. It's the government, yes. <laughs> society, yes, and the response to the virus. This didn't have to happen. This is what I say always. People say, well, you know, I lost my job due to COVID. Yeah. No, you didn't. You didn't. You yeah. lost your job due to the government shutdown. Exactly. Not to COVID. COVID, what COVID does, and I tell you this all the time, what COVID does is it hurts and kills older people mm-hmm. and or people with preexisting conditions. That's what COVID did. If your uncle or grandma or granddad died of COVID, then COVID killed them. That's true. Yeah. But COVID doesn't shut down businesses. No. COVID doesn't fire people. COVID no. doesn't shut down schools. COVID doesn't do any of that. Only government can do that stuff. No. You're right. Absolutely. So Grace says flat flattening. She, I think she means flattening the curve. She said flattering the curve. Um, <laughs> flattening the curve. I mean, it is a good looking curve. So we can flatter if we want to. Um, but flattening the curve mm-hmm. is, a long, is long gone. It's just submit. Shut up. Take the shot. Wear your mask. End of story. I think people feel that way, don't they? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> That's how I feel. I felt uh, yesterday was a, a difficult day for me. <laughs> I, I at DC where I live, just like reimposed the mask mandate, and Biden's talking about renewed shutdowns, and it's clear. Uh, and everybody knows these stupid masks don't work. I mean, you walk into a restaurant <laughs> with the mask, you take it off, and you sit down. It's just the theater of the absurd. Uh, yes, no, no, no. Co- COVID only works up here. But when you sit down, you're under the COVID blanket and you're fine. Yeah. When you get up, then the COVID comes to get you. Also, by the way, in case you didn't know, COVID doesn't attack a table unless it has 10 people at it. Exactly. COVID will just sit back and it'll wait. It'll go, oh, uh, nine? No, no. Okay. Oh, 10. Get them. That's what how COVID. COVID's a smart disease, right? It cares how tall you are and how many people are in the same table. That's what COVID does. it's a very impressive at this point, you know, I think, and part of what drives me crazy and upsets me so much, my friend put it very well. Um, she said something like, I don't understand these people who just say, it's just a mask, just wear it. Well, just, how about you just wear purple pajamas? Just wear purple pajamas everywhere. Why are you so upset? So the government says wear purple pajamas. It's the arbitrary authoritarian nature. We all know these masks don't work. You know, maybe if everyone wore N95s all the time, which 
really hope doesn't happen. I don't want to, I don't want to advocate for that. But this surgical cloth masks, the taking them on, the taking on them off, and with kids, and we all know they're not doing anything. You look at the curves in every part of the country or the world. They, there's no difference. If anything, there's like a slight difference in the other direction. <laughs> right. And it's just it's this virtue signaling and this you know show, it's governmental show like oh well, oh god cases are going up what can we do masks masks <laughs> gotta do something yeah. and so yes might as well wear a yellow hat or purple pajamas <laughs> i wish they would have said that at least purple pajamas would be a thing right i'd be something and you know what i'm with you they should have done yellow hat and purple pajamas now we got a party is all i'm saying right so now we got a party that's what we should have done way better than masks and in fact, if they would have been quiet, I might have been like, oh, oh, we're doing this? We're doing yellow hat, purple pajamas? I'm in. Let's, let's do this. Move it all the way. Um, but at least I can go to work still. So it'd be fine. It's fine. No worries. So um, let me grab a couple more. Peter, Peter said hi, by the way, to you. He says, our global society is attempting to move from a collective state of unconsciousness into becoming conscious. We seem to be taking the hard way. Um, I'm not sure. sure. I I mean, I I get where he's going with it. Um, if we're going a hard way, Peter, we're going a real hard way. Like we're, we're, we're going real hard way. Barry says, I disregarded my moral objection to vaccinate because the government told me to, and I got it anyways, because of a responsible reasoning. I have absolute distrust of the government now. Wow. (laughs) Yes, I'm, and there's a part of me that feels the same way, right? Um, you get vaccinated, so now you still have to wear the mask. Yeah. I thought the goal of getting vaccinated was so you can live your life. Yep. So you get vaccinated and you can't live your life? Yeah. Well, then why get vaccinated? I don't know. The uh, I, yeah. I mean, the, so they're like implementing vaccine passport. Well, New York is threatened too. It looks like DC might do something similar just to yep. get into bars and restaurants to show you've been vaccinated. We're seeing all these studies showing that, uh, you know, there are all these breakthrough cases. There's just like Cape Cod had an outbreak. I think it was 74 percent of the people were vaccinated, which so the vaccine does seem to reduce severe symptoms, which is great. Yes. Um, It doesn't seem to be great at reducing transmission, which means there's no reason to have vaccine passports whatsoever. Um, Yes. So I want to go to the mask piece, though, because you've said that masks are also terrible particularly for kids. And I got to tell you, I feel it too. I don't have data on this. Mine is only, I mean, people take it for what they want. It's only only anecdotal. I have a 70-year-old and 11-year-old daughters. And I watched what the lockdowns and the masks did to both of my daughters. My oldest daughter, her, her friends were already online. She had her friend group. It wasn't devastating for her. It was hard for her. But not devastating. She was able to still deal with her friends, have some kind of connection it, it to exist. But my younger one was 10 when this happened. Yeah. This is a girl who should be on the playground playing with kids in recess and having those back and forth. Her friends weren't all online. They didn't all they didn't already have phones that they can go back and forth and text. They were 10. Yeah. So, I mean, we rushed to get her a phone when we weren't sure if it was time for her because I wanted her to be able to talk to her friends. I was like, yeah. take the phone or whatever other damage is done. I don't care. I want you to connect with people. And I watched her get depressed and I watched her struggle and the mask. She hated the mask. She wanted to interact with people. And I, I see the damage. And it's the second piece I mentioned. There are kids now who are so afraid they won't take their masks off. And the odds of a kid, you know, this getting COVID and then dying are astronomical. Yeah, yeah. There are zero healthy children died. Uh, a few hundred died with or of COVID. Um, and it's not to say that their lives don't matter, but you know, <laughs> it shows that these extreme measures taken for all children don't make any sense whatsoever. No, and- it shows that if you know your kid has a pre-existing condition, yeah, act accordingly, right? Exactly, exactly. exactly. Yes. It, but it doesn't. It's not a prescription for all children. Correct. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't have children, but I love children. <laughs> so I, I play with them when, when some, one of my friends has them or something. And, you know, you can tell they, they like to read facial expressions. They like to, they, this is important to their development. And this is an unprecedented experiment to try to 
either, you know, both mask a generation of children and have adults masked where they're mm-hmm. not able to read their facial expressions. We don't know what this is going to do to them. I mean, think about all of the things that you learn socially by being able to read somebody's face. Those are things that you learn at a very early age. Uh, now, I don't, I obviously don't have a degree in child psychology. My parents are linguists. So I learned uh, a lot about linguistics and how, you know, children really pick up a lot of what you learn with language is in the first couple of years of your life. And uh, I'm sure that reading facial expressions is really similar. And for absolutely, instance, if a child uh, is deprived of, you know, that's like children who are alive, there are a few cases of children who are locked in closets and never heard language. They actually can never learn a language because your brain is, is it's unable to, uh, to do that. It's right, like, right, right. And I imagine yeah, it's, in that case, it's, what happens is the brain gets pruned. It's called pruning. For those of yes. you who are listening, the brain prunes itself and things that it doesn't use. There's actually there's actually often less connections as you get older, because yes. when you're younger, you have a bunch of connections. And the ones you don't use, it just prunes it away. So if exactly. your kids never learn language, yeah, it gets yeah. pruned away. They don't they can't do it anymore. Yes, exactly. I mean, there was a guy, there was a case of a girl who was, you know, her parents were extremely abusive and she was locked in a closet for the first you know, several years of her life, and she was never able to learn language. There are several of them. And I, you know, I'm not an expert, I don't want to say, but I, I would imagine that if you do this to children with facial expressions, it's a similar thing. Like, they might never learn the social skills and ability to learn, uh, recognize facial expressions and socialize in the same way. And it, it, it's sort of common sense to me, I guess. Yep. <laughs> and I yes. like to read facial expressions. It's important to our day-to-day interactions. 100%. So utter nonsense that it, it, it's just, Oh, just put on the mask. Just put on the mask. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm still going with the purple pajamas and yellow hat. I'm still in. I'm totally all in on that. That's awesome. I love it. Tom says, why can't they give COVID recovery cards and leave those people alone too? That's not a bad deal. Then you get a recovery card. <laughs> but maybe it's the Pfizer thing. I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Doesn't, don't doesn't, know. doesn't make Pfizer any money if people have natural immunity. <laughs> there we go. Absolutely. Um, uh, Andrew says, during the lockdown, I really did a comparison of Cuomo to Nurse Ratchet from one floor of the cuckoo's nest. AJ, you're, you're dating some people. I don't know who that is. That was a 1970-something movie. Did you happen to see that 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 movie, Janine? You know, I have seen it, but it's been a really long time, so I don't remember. Yes. Yeah, AJ, stop. You don't, don't do that. So, yeah. <laughs> Desiree says, it makes me angry to see slash hear people advocating for forcing vaccinations. That's unethical to force medical treatment, etc. Now, you've covered this. Uh, yeah. Janine. You've said that with, I don't remember what you, it was something like people have a right to refuse medical treatment or something yeah. like that, right? Uh, yes. I mean, so the, the, I'm a lawyer, as I think we mentioned, um, the case law is a little unclear. Uh, there was this case called Jacobson that uh, a lot of people cite for the proposition that uh, governmental entities can mandate, mandate vaccines. Now, that was smallpox, which has a mm-hmm. much higher death rate, so it's a little different. different. And another uh, thing was the court said it, that it was the Supreme Court said that it was okay to fine somebody $5, which is about $150 in today's um, currency. Uh, that's a different than shutting people out of society, you know, paying a right. fine. I, I would probably argue you shouldn't be forced to pay fine, fine either. But, you know, we're talking about something a little different where you can't go to a restaurant or a bar, or, you know. Was it an ongoing fine or a one-time fine? It was a one-time fine, as far as I understand it. Um, and, you know, smallpox. So one thing I think that's really different is some of these, you know, measles, for instance, um, there, it's been demonstrated that if you get the vaccine, you're not infectious. And so you getting the vaccine it contributes to herd immunity and can be protective to others. That's not the case. And it, it's becoming increasingly clear that that's not the case with this vaccine. And another thing is, I mean, you simply, <laughs> people act like you're an anti-science kook. And I, again, I want to be very clear that I'm not anti-vax. I get many vaccines. I used to get the flu vaccine every year. Um, but you just cannot know the long-term effects of a vaccine that hasn't been around long-term. That's a pretty obvious proposition. <laughs> and I think it's reasonable for people with natural immunity and also reasonable for young people who are unlikely to experience severe COVID symptoms to say, you know what, I don't, I don't want to do it. Um, or, all, you know, some older people might too. I think it really should be a personal choice. And the fact that uh, it's become a thing for the government to have these blanket recommendations there's no, you know, the CDC website says every person should get the, the COVID vaccine as soon as possible. There is no medical product in history that has been the case for. <laughs> so, and this, 
And I don't, you know, I'm not, um, I don't want to say it. I have become a little more skeptical because of this. Uh, yes. Because I'm like, well, why are you pushing this on me? I have natural immunity. I have like, if you were like, if you're just like laid out the, you know, it's probably safe, it's probably effective, but maybe if you have natural, well, I might be less skeptical. Now I'm super skeptical. <laughs> yes. Well, what drives me crazy, they, they want our Olympic athletes are wearing masks. Yeah. Yeah. They are literally the healthiest humans in the world. Yes. <laughs> literally the yeah. healthiest humans on the planet yeah. are our Olympians. Yeah. And we're worried about them. What is wrong with us? If the va- if if COVID kills them in mass, we're finished. That's just the game. <laughs> just, just wrap it up. It's over. Right? They're the healthiest humans on the planet. If well, everybody's safe, it's them. I know, but I don't think it's really about their health. It's the, now it's a moral issue, you know, and this was done early on. It's, it's a, you know, and I was, I had some personal experiences with it where I, I very early on said, I'm not doing this. <laughs> this is crazy. Um, I think that, you know, it's a human right to be able to socialize with other people. Uh, we need that to be happy. I need it to be happy. And I, I'm not going to allow the government to tell me for months or years on end. I'm sorry, but you have to be miserable because and you'll be spreading a virus, which we're getting approved, whatever. So I objected early on and people were very angry at me um, because I was socializing and going to houses and parties and stuff like that. Um, and uh, as, but I saw it, it, it took on a moral dimension, especially on the progressive left. You're a bad person if you do this. You're a bad person if you don't socially distance. You're a bad person if you don't wear a mask. Now you're a bad person if you don't get the vaccine. And, uh, you know, that I suspect the trajectory of this virus, based on our comparisons to other countries and other jurisdictions, would have been exactly exactly the same. Maybe <laughs> it would have been a little bit better, actually. Sweden looks to be doing quite well right now. Um, but there's this need to blame people yes. for a virus, and uh, and the government that we have is participating in that. Yes, absolutely. You know, the next thing that drives me crazy, I talk about Olympians, is our military. They're now going to force all enlisted yeah. military members. Again, Olympians are our most in shape people on the planet. Our military is the second most in the country. Yeah. Right? They're all 18. I was a Marine for seven years. Yeah. 18, 19, 20 years old. Maybe the oldest one's like 30 something, right? Enlisted level. That's all they are. So maybe they're in their 30s. That's old in the military in your 30s, right? I mean, that's old. Come on. That's not old at all. That's good, young, and they're all active. Why are we concerned about this? I, I, I feel like this is all about making a point that you you need to comply, and if you don't comply, mm-hmm. you're a bad person. It's almost like the idea that the war never ends. We're always at war to ensure that you will always comply and not realize how incompetent our leaders are. Yes, I think that's absolutely true. And we're also, you know, I think I, it's a bit cynical, but I think it's warranted at this point. I think that the Democrats are which I was always a member. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, they're playing a political game. Um, and when, you know, cases are, this is going to keep going the way it's going. It's clearly a seasonal virus. There are going to be variants. They're going to continue to be variants. <laughs> and I keep tweeting that what's the end game. Um, you know, uh, cause, because the way we're going, this is just an endless in blue, blue jurisdictions, endless cycle of restrictions and lockdowns. Um, so, you know, I think they're playing a game and they know that uh, next election they can blame the unvaccinated people in the Ozarks or whatever. Uh, right. and it's that, all their fault. Yeah, it's all their fault. Um, Absolutely. Alice agrees with you. She says, sounds like they keep variants going and try to create more fear. She's right with you. Yeah. I think you're, you're absolutely. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, let me see if I grab a cop. lot of different stuff here. Sam says, if I'm barred from public places, because I don't have a passport, does that mean you don't have to pay taxes? LOL. <laughs> I wish I could. Die. I don't think the government's going to let you do that. But... If they did, I, I'm, I'm going to get barred. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm getting barred tomorrow. Yeah. See, see, Sam and I would have had a fun game, right? We would have only done the purple pajama, yellow hat thing. And then if you don't want to join our purple pajama party, you don't got to pay taxes. But we would have made it so cool, everybody would have wanted to pay taxes to join our cool party. That's what Sam and I would have done. But look, we weren't in charge. Maybe next time. Yeah. Next pandemic, Sam and I will be in charge. Be an amazing pajama party. I think you guys are gaining a lot of members. <laughs> yes. 
Absolutely. We're all going to be in charge. We're having pajama parties next time. Everybody's going to want to be in. I love that. Yes. So <laughs> that's good. We'll see. Uh, Michael says, Congress has approved trillions of dollars of spending using COVID as a reason, but none of this is being used to actually study mask effectiveness. Is that true? I don't even know that. Um, I really, I don't know. I really doubt they're studying mask effectiveness because if they were, they would conclude that it's obviously not effective. It's just being used as this political tool, you know? Um, There we go. There we go. (laughs) So Torrance is busting my stones. He says, pineapple pizza pajama party. I'm from New York. No pineapple pizza. I told you that. And now Torrance, you get pineapple pizza, you're paying double tax. All right. You're going to make up for those people who don't want to come to the party and pay their, ta- and pay their pa- taxes. And you come to the party, you got to pay your taxes, you're paying double for pineapples. Yeah, so I'm, not, for I'm, not, I'm not a pineapple pizza fan here. I knew I liked you, Janine. See, I knew that. I knew I knew I liked you. That's the reason. I love it. Perfect. Ryan is defiant. He says, I will not comply. All right, fine. I approve, you, Ryan. <laughs> you, and you, and, oh, well, you comply with the pajama party thing, Ryan. You would. I know you. I would. I wear a mask as little as possible. Um, I, I frequently am like, no. <laughs> yes. So Desiree says it's about control. I think a lot of people think that. Yeah. Right? I think a lot of people really do believe that it's about control. Yeah. So let me go to the, I think, the most, I guess, controversial or aggressive thing. You've said, you said two things that were very aggressive, which, by the way, I agree with. Yeah. But it's just bold of you to say. You said the lockdowns are immoral. Um, and you bring it not because of of government lockdowns, again, because of government overreach. That isn't your key. Your key is because a moral issue, that it's hurting poor people. How how did that people respond when you say it seems from our from our society, it seems like you're basically saying the sky is green because everybody else on TV is saying. Lockdowns are the moral thing to save people. I'm locking myself down for you, right? I'm sacrificing myself. I'm wearing a mask to protect you, right? Everything they're doing, they're coming at it from a moral point of view, saying that it's because I care, all those things. You're seeing exactly the opposite. I mean, people must just want to yell at you. Oh, and they do. <laughs> but when you're locked down, who's bringing you your food? Who's bringing you your Amazon packages and your Peloton? <laughs> People are doing that job, and those are the working class people. Um, and yes, who's not going to school? It's poor children. So uh, yeah, they're immoral because they're designed to um, to help the middle class, upper middle class, white collar workers on who can do their job from Zoom. And they're they do exactly the opposite for essential workers who are going to be doing their job anyway. And I, you know, I've heard this thing: oh, the government should just pay everyone to stay home. I'm sorry, if you stay home, you still have to get food. <laughs> Someone has to bring you your food. They're going to be grocery store workers and delivery people. I'm like, this is complete. And, you know, if you want a humane, tailored policy, then we would be protecting the people who are actually at risk of severe disease from this virus. Yes. Which are, you know, are easily definable people um, and, and not 30-year-old not healthy people um, who can work from Zoom. So, in my opinion, it's just a way for, uh, sorry, this is going to sound insulting, <laughs> a bunch of upper middle class privileged white people feel good about themselves while they're actually enjoying their life on their couch. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to argue. Yes. I'm not going to argue. I, I do think it's a class issue. Yeah. I, I think it's a class issue. The professional management class or the PMCs as they are called sometimes. Um, I think professional management class was able to survive relatively well here and yeah. do their a job. Lot relatively well. happier. A lot of people are happier. Um, they don't have to commute. They can be home. They, their jobs are, you know, their lives are easier. Um, which I agree completely. It, my, my day job when I'm not doing this cool stuff um, is I'm a consultant or a teacher or a trainer. It's what I do for a living. And since his majesty, King Andrew Cuomo, the second, oh, hail the King has deemed me not essential. Yeah, yes. I'm with you. Um, yes. And, and what I can say, honestly, is I don't know anybody who has spent more of their time, money, and energy trying to dethrone the king than yeah. I have. But in any case, um, when, when I was deemed non-essential, most of my work had to shift into coaching. That wasn't what I was doing most of. But again, because I'm part of that class, I can shift my business model to make that work. Yeah. And many of the people who I coach are either well-off or wealthy. And you know this, people in New York City who are wealthy, they have at least two homes. 
right? One in New York City and yeah. one someplace else, whether it's Florida, Colorado, Jersey Shore, Connecticut, whatever, it's someplace else. Many of those people left and went to those secondary homes. Those homes are nicer homes than their Manhattan apartments. Yep. And they're making tons of money in those really nice homes. No. They're not coming back. No. <laughs> and their life, as you said, is easier. They're having more time with their kids. Their kids are in a private school. Their kids mm-hmm. are going to school every single day. They're in private school, private daycare, all those things. They're doing just fine. Yep. And the people who are bringing them food, here's the part that bothers me. I remember, and this reminds me of a little bit, it's going to go off, but you'll get it. When, when Mitt Romney was running for president, he was talking about the idea of, well, this is great during, during you know, it's the longest, you know, peacetime prosperity. Marines and soldiers were dying when yeah. he was saying that overseas. Yeah. But the problem is for someone like him in his level, the, the poor veteran on the ground, a poor soldier or a Marine in, 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 the, in the hole is invisible to him. Yeah, it's not a thing. He's so accustomed to them just dying for him yeah. that he doesn't care about them. They don't even matter. And I would argue, and it bothered me because I'm a veteran and I do work with veterans. So that was I still remember that because it bothered me, right? Because it's it hit me. So now I think that's the same way some of those privileged people think yeah. about the servant class. Yeah, those who are out there serving them. Yeah, they're just invisible. That was doing that thing. They don't count. They don't matter. They're not real. So we'll just, everyone will get paid to stay home. What about those people? Oh, they don't count. <laughs> they're invisible. I really think that they're invisible to that class of people. Yeah. Well, not only that, they can. So I, what I heard a lot when I made these points um, to my left, to progressive friends was, well, it's better than them dying. And, uh, but most of them aren't going to be dying. And the ones right. that are at risk, we can help, you know, in a yes. different way. If that's, if that's how, it, you know, we should. And not just that, it's their life. Yes. And many yeah. of them risked their life to come here. Yeah. And they may have died coming here and they chose to do that. It's yeah. up to them. I don't own their life. They own their life. And yeah. if they think the right answer is staying home. I, I when it came to church services, I, it was my opinion that if you are over 60 and you have a pre-existing condition, don't go to church. That's my opinion. Stay home. Do it on Zoom or TV or whatever. Have somebody call you and pray together. Do your thing. Don't go to church. That's my opinion. But if you're over 60 with a prison condition and you believe that your religion is that important to you and you would rather sacrifice or gamble your life for your faith, that's on you. That's part of our First Amendment. You get to do that. Even though it's my opinion you shouldn't, I don't get to stop you. No. And I think that's true for what any what anyone does. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I might be more of a libertarian than you, because I think, you know, it could be uh, 70 dying of cancer and you could decide, you know what, I want to spend, I don't want to spend my last days in my home. I want to go to church and I want to see my family. Um, I'm with you, which is, yeah, yeah. that happened to my mother. When my mother passed, yeah. my mother died of cancer. And, and this is before COVID. And, she, and my, she wanted to spend time with my daughter. She wanted to spend time with her granddaughter before yeah. she she died. So she took my granddaughter out to like parks and to an amusement park. And the doctor was like, don't do it. He's like, here, wear this, this mask here, the N95 mask. He said, wear the mask and, and, and maybe, you know, she's like, he was like, you could die. If you, she was destroyed from chemotherapy, right? You know, yeah, your immune yeah. system shot from chemotherapy. Her immune system was shot from chemotherapy. And he was like, you get a disease, you could die. And my mom was like, if I can't spend time with my grandkids, yeah. then why am I alive? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that was her view. So I actually, I'm with you. Yeah, no, I, my grandmother um, was supposed to have her 100th birthday party in May of 2020. And uh, wow. she was in great health. So she had really been looking forward to it. We hadn't all seen each other in a while. So it was going to be like a big family reunion. And of course, May 2020, she was in a nursing home. The party got canceled. And she ended up getting COVID shortly thereafter and dying. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, you know, she was 100. But yeah. she just wanted her party. Like she, she was done with her life, and she would have been more than thrilled for us all. And I, I understand they're like more difficult questions because it was in her nursing home. So like we can all just kind of right, <laughs> right, 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 right. right. Um, but yeah, you know, because in that case, she would have affected others, not just exactly. her. Exactly. So it's a right, little yes. more difficult. But yes. this, but you know, I think the, the larger, um, the larger thing I took from that was, you know, it's not just about living, like, or it's not just about trying to avoid death. You know, you could. You could prefer to spend time with your family and think, you know, it's worth the risk. Uh, so it should be up to everybody. And I think 
I think it's really immoral for the government to tell people you have to stay home and you can't socialize. I, I think it's it has we haven't given enough. Um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? We haven't given it. Need, socializing with others is a basic human need. It's for most of us, it's fundamental to our happiness. And uh, uh, the idea of the government, that it's okay for the government to tell us, you know, maybe for a few days if there was some emergency, really emergency where really needed, but months, years on end, the government tells us you can't socialize the way that, you know, you need to find your own fulfillment. That's not okay. In my opinion, it's immoral. Um, it's, it's, it's wrong. And you've even said it's it's a violation of human rights. I think it's a violation of human rights. I think I think it's a fundamental basic human right to be able to socialize with your loved ones or acquaintances, whatever you need to be happy. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I agree. I totally agree. Paula says they lost me when Nancy and Gavin went around maskless. <laughs> they lost me way before that. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 I get it completely. Yes, absolutely. So here we go. Um, she then says, apparently you can catch COVID at a small mom and pop establishment, <laughs> but not at Walmart. Yeah. Yeah, actually, one of my colleagues uh, brought a case before I joined the organization um, in Massachusetts, and he made exactly that argument. It was on behalf of a hair salon owner who was like, you know, I keep my salon super clean. At most, there are like two or three people in, at the same time in there. Why is the Walmart down the street open? You're putting me out of business. And the Walmart, you know, this, all we're doing is benefiting big tech, big pharma at the expense of working people, but small business owners. It's insane to me. And it's insane that the left is on board with this, frankly. That's the part that gets me too, right? I mean, the amount of people who I've heard all of a sudden say, well, I don't know if I'm really a progressive. I'm more of a classic liberal. I can't believe how many people have been saying that. Now, that's music to my ears. <laughs> Clearly, I'm very happy to hear that. I'm just surprised on how many people are, are, are saying that. Um, so I, I think a lot of people are saying, wait a minute, is, is this the left? Right, the, the left in my, in my view, when the left has been at its best, it has been when it's been fighting for the Bill of Rights, yeah. number one, yeah. and two, when it's been anti-war. Yeah. I think those are the two times when the left has been strongest and yeah. has held the moral high ground and has been correct in its thought process and everything. Yeah. And I feel like, since Trump, that's gone away. It's just been, let's not be Trump. Yeah, I mean, I would probably place it before that. They were kind of Tell me. horrible with the Iraq War. <laughs> uh, also yeah. true. Um, but, I, uh, but I agree with you. I mean, I think they went crazy. And like, I was one of those people. I hated Trump. I thought it was the worst thing that had ever happened. Is, but the funny thing, and I think the irony now, is I thought it was going to be Trump. Who's gonna like take away our rights? <laughs> yes, right. Yes. And now it's, I mean, I'm like, it's the left, and it's the people who who are crying with me about Trump, who suddenly are like, it's totally fine for the government to say you can't run your business, you have to stay at home for two years, you can't send your kids to school. What's the problem? <laughs> yes, uh, yes, I, I'm with you. It's it's funny how I I can take the moral high ground now from all the left. Easy day. I love it. I'm I'm totally with you. So Sam says, how many people gain weight when the lockdowns occurred? Yeah, they're calling it, you're gaining your COVID-19 pounds. I've heard that before. Being overweight is a common comorbidity for people who die with COVID. Not only rights loss, but lockdowns increase the risk of death. Yeah, this is actually something I've written about and I feel very strongly about. You know, if this is this is not about public health because if the government cared about you, the, the number one risk factor after age is obesity. Uh, yeah. being overweight for a severe outcome from COVID. And people are becoming more overweight. They're drinking more. They're becoming more unhealthy. Vitamin D is another really important thing. If you're staying shut in your house, you're not getting vitamin D. Yep. In fact, it's shown it's better from sunlight than from vitamins. So, you know, it's uh, you're keeping people in their house. They're getting more overweight. They're drinking more. This isn't public health. You know, public health right. is people in the sunshine, socializing, getting exercise. Um, it's yeah. just... Absolutely. Nate says Obama killed the left. You know, I think when it comes to war, that's true. Obama did not stop the wars like he said he was going to. I think when it comes to the anti-war left, all of a sudden, when it was Bush, the left was very much anti-war. When it was Obama, I think the left was like, eh, war's okay. I yeah. mean, it's Obama. It's fine. I mean, bomb is in the name, Obama. So yeah. I guess it's fine. Whatever. He's, we knew what we were getting. He's, he's a Muslim. Yeah. So, it's, it's, you know, it's fine. Whatever. Uh, Tim said the government is power. 
not morality. And the more they try to enforce morality, the more they become about power. Ooh, look at Tim. That's a great comment. I actually really like that. Yeah. Tim's smart. Tim actually does a radio show on, on Thursdays in Western New York. So Tim's a smart guy. He's got some cool stuff in his head. Thank you, Tim, for sharing that. Appreciate it. Yes, that's good. Gene says, I got my shot and I wear a mask whenever someone is near me wearing a fragrance. I got yelled at for making these choices, but they are my choices to make. I actually agree completely. You know, I, I still put keep a mask in my pocket in New York City when I walk around. I don't put a mask on, but I keep it in my pocket. Because some people are afraid and they look at me and they wear a mask and they're like, you want to wear a mask? And I put it on. Like, I put a mask on if people want me to put it on. Oh, man, I, you're nicer than me. <laughs> I am. It's true. I told you. I'm, I'm, I'm a, what, what, what do you say? I'm a friendly looking libertarian. That's what I am. I am friendly. It's I'm true. like, you're irrationally afraid. I'm not doing <laughs> So I keep it in my pocket. If somebody's scared or worried, I'll put it on because it makes them feel good. We'll do yeah. our thing. I'll take it off when we leave. Uh, whatever. If it makes you feel good, I'm all I'm all about consent. I am all about consent. So you want a mask? Man, I'll put it on. Fine, make it happen. No, but they're making you okay. <laughs> so my my, but you know I can always walk away from somebody if they're a jerk, yeah. and pull the mask off. But I I try to be good, and I I think I don't also I don't get mad at individuals who are wearing masks. I sometimes feel sorry for them yeah. if I know who they are, right? Because you don't know who the person is. My mom, as I said, wore that N- that N94, 95 mask when yeah. she had chemo. She yeah, didn't yeah. know why, but she oh, did it. Yeah, but yeah. why? Because her yeah. immune system was shot from chemo. Yeah, so yeah. people out there could be yeah. worried because they've got a trashed immune system for some reason. Yeah. But the amount of people in New York City who are wearing a mask, they don't all have, they're no. not all on chemo. No, no. They're not. <laughs> and the craziest thing is people running. Oh yeah, with masks on. Yeah, they're like twenty five in great shape, running and have a mask on. I'm like, why? What? But anyway, I know. It is what it is. The thing that drives me a little crazy is people on like empty sidewalks, and if you're in a cloth or a surgical mask, you probably don't. (laughs) And they're like, "There's an empty side." I'm just like, "Come on, who are you kidding?" (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yes, Mike says biggest problem with being told not to be around family members was everyone should have said F you, but didn't. This is true. I yeah. wish we had. I wish we had. But I think we were trying to be good, I think. But yeah, I think we, we hadn't. Gene says, I voted for Obama the first time. When he didn't do what he said he would, I refused to vote for him again. Well, there we go. Yeah, There sense. we go. So um, there's another piece I, I, I wanted to bring up. And that is the idea of social bullying. You told a story to someone, I forgot where I saw it, about uh, a train conductor. Oh. Can you tell that story if you don't mind? Yeah, actually, uh, this this sort of um, really in my memory. Uh, I was on the New Jersey Transit, and uh, the guy in front of me, the conductor went up to him. We were sort of between stops, and the conductor went up to him. And had, that, Sorry, I should back up. The conductor was giving these announcements. These announcements drive me crazy. That was like, you cannot take your mask off. You can't eat or drink because then you have to take your mask off. The mask must be covering your nose and mouth. And you can tell they love it. You know, they love. Mm. He was getting, some of them, you know, they're like rope and they feel a little bad. This guy was really getting a lot of joy out of it. I could hear it in his voice. And uh, so he went up to this guy in front of me and he said, you have to get off the train. And the guy said, why? You're not wearing your mask properly. And the guy was like, I'm so sorry. I'll I'll wear it properly. Um, You know, I really have to get to my kid or whatever. And the uh, conductor wouldn't let it go. And in fact, stopped the train. It wow. took, ended up calling the police because the guy wouldn't get up. And there was an older woman um, behind me who was like, my granddaughter's waiting for me. Please move the train. Please move the train. The whole thing took half an hour. Wow. And it was just, I could just see the conductor getting joy out of this. And the thing is, it's given a lot of people who I think don't have a lot of power in their lives, like the ability to bully others and exercise control over others. And it's, it's really sad. <laughs> yes, I actually uh, I call them petty tyrants. They are, but I, I call them petty tyrants on Twitter the other day. <laughs> yes, I'm with you. Yes, petty tyrants, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I have some power, some ability to punish someone. I will. Yeah. I see it. A story of Queens. We were the number one place when it came to three one one calls for people not wearing masks. That was yeah. us. Yeah, we were, there were a bunch of people just yelling and and screaming. And well, you know, you can, you can sort of see the difference between the people who get joy out of it and the people who don't like. Yes. 
So Paula brings this up. I got jumped for wearing a mask. I'm recovering from cancer. It was at Kroger's. I went, uh, I went off. She shut up and proceeded to pay for her little Debbie's. It's kind of cute. So, so the woman got mad at you for wearing a mask, even though you were literally recovering from chemo. So your immune was actually shot. Yeah. So you were actually had a good reason to be wearing the mask. She got mad at you and then went and bought her sweet snacks. I'm sorry to hear that, Paula. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But it go. But this goes back to your bullying piece. Yeah. I think now instead of us trying to be, instead of us trying to be the bigger person, I think a lot of people who are anti-mask or anti-lockdown, I think a lot of us have become bullies in return. Yeah. Right. I think the, the we've, we've matched bully for bully. Yeah. I think in, in certain cases, I do think that the government has far more bullying power than we do. Yeah. I mean, so we're, we're up against a, a much bigger bully, but yeah. I think a lot of people have bullied back and forth. I've tried to be good and not bully. I'm always trying to be the bigger person to the best of my ability. I'm just human, Janine. I'm not perfect in this one. I'm just saying, I, I try my best. A lot of the anti-lockdown and mass people are just really tired of it. And we're really being told tired. We're really tired of being told what to do. And it's yes. sort of reaching a breaking point. And, uh, you know, this, these new mask mandates that are coming, I think, I mean, I know I'm really fed up. I almost cried <laughs> the other day when I was announced. And, and I think people are really fed up. And, and yeah, yeah, everybody should behave kindly towards each other. But uh, And I think what, what you're going to find is a mass exodus from cities. Yes, yes. I think that's the answer. Mass exits from cities. No. New York yeah. City's never going to recover. And if they mask mandate us again, that's mass exodus. Kid, no. Parents aren't going to send their kids to school anymore. They're like, we're not going to school. No. Come get us. We're not sending yeah. our kids to school. And they're going to pack up and just going to leave. I agree. You see more and more and more. I, so I let, let me, I didn't do something I should have done. You, you mentioned that you are coming more and more libertarian, right? So yeah. if you want to find out, you can take the world's smallest political quiz. They're my sponsor. So um, they sponsor the show, uh, the, Advo the Advocates for Self-Government. And one of the greatest things they do is they have the world's smallest political quiz. For those of you watching, you know I want you to support my show. So support my sponsor. Click that link that's in the description. Click that link. Take the world's smallest political quiz. See where you land. You may be more libertarian than you think. Maybe not, but you might be. Take it and then share it with others. If you've taken the test already, no worries. Two things. Click that link and take the other six quizzes that are there. There's tons of them. Police accountability. There's stuff on lockdowns. There's tons of quizzes there for you to check and see where you stand. It's a human respect test. Take those tests and share them. Or just take this, this uh, link and share for your friends to take it. Either way, it makes my sponsors happy. makes me happy. I can keep doing this. And if you like what I'm doing, you're saying, Larry, you bring on great guests. You do cool stuff. I know you think that. That's why you're watching. Then do me a favor, head over to patreon.com, throw me 10 bucks a month so I can keep doing this. Get my team doing it. If you look at that link, you can go to your link tree link and you see all the stuff we got, the TikTok account. Yes, Janine, we have TikTok. That's how cool. <laughs> so we got a TikTok account. We got a special account for clips you can use and share to the people. We got Twitter and everything. My team does all that stuff. Well, support them. 10 bucks a month so we can keep doing this and growing this and making this work. And the last thing I'll ask you, only one last thing, like, comment, and share. It does matter. I get shadow banned all the time. Mm -hmm. The only way I get around it is if you like and you comment and you share. And if you're not doing those three things, that means by default you hate me. So don't hate me and instead like, comment, and share. I would appreciate it. So let me, uh, if I could, show people where you are. Lefty Lockdowns at Twitter. I'm sorry, Lefty Lockdowns 1 at Twitter. The link is there in the description. Or check out what she's doing. Now I'm down in D.C., nclalegal.org. So let me ask you, Janine, before we wrap this up, is there anything I've missed, something you want to bring up or chat about? No, I think you actually covered almost all my passions on this subject. <laughs> See that? Yeah. I, I did my homework. You did. See? You so really we're good. Did, did my homework. We're you good. Really we're good. Did. I love it. So um, I Tim says, it's hard to stay nice, but it's worth it. <laughs> See that? That's there we go. That's another good comment from Tim. Yes. Torrin says, we are not the bullies. We're just better at making memes. That's true, too. That's true. I mean, that is true. Paula says, thanks for your uh, comment. She is very happy to have that. Yes. Uh, Nate says, true power is not controlling others. True power comes from controlling yourself. Trying to control others is the first time that you yourself are out of control. 
Look at that. I love that. You're rocking and rolling. Janine, I want to say thank you so much for coming today. I appreciate thank the time you, you gave so much me. for having me. Yes. Everybody else, thank you so much for watching this evening. I'll be back again on Monday. I'm taking my two days off. Don't get mad at me. I, I'm human. Um, I'll be back on, Mon on Monday doing, doing an AMA and uh, a short AMA, but I will be debating the one and only socialist guru himself, Ben Burgess, at 8.30 at, uh, at, uh, on Monday. So please watch my little uh, AMA before that. And then watch me chat with Mr. Ben Burgess, the super cool socialist. I don't know how super cool he is, but whatever. I'm sure he'll try to beat me up. It's fine. All good. Um, as I am always talking to the left, I will see you all very soon.